Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Today I'm starting a brand new series called This or That. So I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way. You can get with this or you can get with that. And those of you from the late 80s, early 90s, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And so uh, I, I know it was in your head from the moment you saw the front of your bulletin. So we just wanted to go ahead and do that. There was a husband and wife that they were celebrating their 60th wedding anniversary. And at the party, everybody wanted to know how they managed to stay married for so long, especially during this day and age. What was the secret to that long and lasting marriage? And, and the husband responded. He said, when we were first married, we came to an agreement. He said, I would make all the major decisions and my wife would make all the minor decisions. And so after 60 years of marriage, we have never needed to make a major decision. <laughs> life, life is full of decisions. Life is full of choices. And over the past few years, I have noticed a trend with certain young parents and, and, and when their child is misbehaving, they look at that child and they say to them, make good choices. I even heard it yesterday at the Easter egg hunt. I, I, I saw some parents look at their child, look at their daughter and say, make good choices. And a number of families in our church, they use this method to coerce their children into doing the right thing and to make good choices. And I, th I think it's a great, it's, it's a great you know, parenting strategy. And, but, but Mandy and I, we didn't necessarily do it like that. That's not how, how we rolled. That wasn't how we did it. Now, um, when our kids were young, we just beat them until they made good decisions. <laughs> I hope that doesn't offend you, but it worked. It worked. Probably not the best method of guidance, but hey, it worked. It worked. Sometimes I just feel like life, it, it, maybe it's for me, maybe, maybe I'm the only one in the room that feels this way, but I feel like life would just be easier if God just would make me make the right decision or, or the right choice. If God would just force me to make the right choice, then I would have a, met, um, a much better chance of getting it right. But because I have choices in life, sometimes I don't always get to do what I probably should do. Or, or I, I could, but I just don't choose to. And, and I can say this, the older I get, the better I get. I think wisdom definitely comes with age. But, but it would just be easier in life, I think, if God just forced me to make the right call. But that's not the way that God operates. It's not. It's not the way that God intends for humanity to live, that he would force us to make the right call. No, instead, he bestows upon us one of the greatest gifts that we could ever be given, and it's the freedom to choose. You've all got it. Whether you believe in God or not, he has given you that gift. The freedom to choose not to believe in him. It's your choice. It's a gift from God that every human being has. And, and it started at the beginning of humanity. And, and so today, we're going to go back to the garden for a few moments. Because in the Garden of Eden, God loved humanity so much that he gave them choice. He, he could have created them and forced them to trust him. But instead, he created them as free moral agents. 
He chose not to force us to live in reverence. And he chose not to force us to live in awe of him. He chose not to force us to trust him. And in order to experience true love and true devotion with us, he gave Adam and Eve the choice. But it didn't take humanity very long to make the wrong choice. You get over just a couple of chapters into your Bible, just a few chapters in, and you realize that that choice was abused. Genesis chapter 2, I'm just going to read a few, a few verses here, and, and then we're going to read some more text later on. But, but Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then you go down to chapter 3 and start at verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said... You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and, the, and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And it was in that moment that life changed drastically for us when they chose to eat from the wrong tree and not from the right tree. God said, you can eat from any tree in this garden. Matter of fact, there's even one called the tree of life. He did not tell them they could not eat from the tree of life. You can eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when you eat from this tree, you will surely die. But you know what happens. You know what happens in life when we're given choices? Is that we want to take control of our lives. We want to lord over our lives. And when we want to lord over our lives... No longer are we eating from the tree of life, but we are gravitating towards the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we are partaking of its fruit because it's here where we gain knowledge. 
There are certain things that I believe humanity was never meant to know. The knowledge of good and evil, the difference between the two. There are certain things we were never meant to know because those were, 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 were characteristics that only God needed. He had to be the judge over that kind of stuff, not us. But humanity said, no, we want to be Lord over our lives. We want to know the difference between good and evil. We want to take control. And so humanity ate from the wrong tree. Man, it changed everything. Our lives are different today because of that decision. The fruit of the tree of life. It's grace, it's mercy, it's forgiveness. But the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is shame, it's blame, it's bitterness. And every day that you wake up, you make a choice on which tree you're going to live out of. The tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You will either partake of the fruit of mercy, grace, and forgiveness, or you will eat of the fruit of shame, blame, and bitterness. And that choice is yours. It's true. You will either get with this or you will get with that. One or the other, you make that choice every day when you wake up, whether you believe in God or not. And God's word is full of opportunities for people to make choices to where they can choose this or they can choose that. Abel and Cain, both sons of Adam, Abel chooses God, Cain chooses murder, and God lets him do it. God allows him the choice to choose to kill his brother. Abraham and Lot, they're both pilgrims in Canaan. Abraham chooses God, Lot chooses Sodom, and God lets him. David and Saul, both kings of Israel. David chooses God, Saul chooses power, and God lets him choose that. Peter and Judas, they both deny our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter seeks mercy, Judas chooses death, and God lets him choose death. Because God has given us that gift of choice and he allows us to make decisions for our lives. Jesus said that we can choose the narrow gate or the wide gate. The narrow road or the wide road. The big crowd or the small crowd. Jesus also said, you get to make the choice. You can build on rock or you can build on sand. You can serve God or you can serve riches. You can be counted among the sheep or you can be counted among the goats. These are choices that he has allowed us to make for our lives. He is not going to force us. He is not going to lord it over us while we are on this planet. God gives us the choices of eternity, but many people refuse to make the obvious choice. In Proverbs 14 and verse 12, it says, there is a path before each person that seems right. Don't miss this. There's a path that looks like the right path. It looks like it should be the direction that you are going, but it says this, there is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It means you might be making some decisions for your life that you think are right, but if you're not careful, it can lead to death. Life has many choices, many choices, so many choices in life. But, e but eternity only has two. It's heaven or hell. It's life or death. It's forever with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, or it's forever separated from his grace and his mercy.
Life is full of choices, but eternity only has two. I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 23. The reminder of our choice for eternity has never been more evident than looking at Calvary's crosses. When you look at the crosses of Calvary, it forces you to make a choice. Luke chapter 23, verse 32 says, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do, not fear, do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus... Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Have you ever wondered why there are two crosses on each side of our crucified Savior? I mean, why not four or five? Why not a dozen? Forty is a pretty popular number in the Bible. Why not 40 crosses next to Christ? I mean, that wouldn't have been extremely uncommon during that day. If it was Roman-controlled territory, it was nothing for you to go down the road, and in certain places there would be crosses lining up the sides of the road where Romans had, had crucified criminals, and they would put them on display along the side of the road for everybody to see. And so it wouldn't have been that uncommon for there to be numerous crosses along the side of the road, but that's not what it was. When you get to Golgotha, when you get to Calvary, when you get to the place of the skull, there are three crosses. And why was Jesus in the middle? Why would he have not been to the, to the far left or the far right? Could it be that the two crosses on each side of Christ symbolize one of God's greatest gifts to humanity? The gift of choice. This cross or this cross. You see, you can't bear that cross. That cross is much too big for you to bear. You can't carry the weight of that one. And so when Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, when we carry our cross, we are making a choice between this cross or that cross. Because the cross of Christ requires you to choose one of the other two crosses. These two criminals, they have so much in common. Both of them committed crimes. Both were guilty of those crimes. Both were convicted. Both were sentenced to death. Both were equally close to the same Christ. Both of them 
insulted him at first. Did you know that? Matthew 27 and verse 44 tells us the rebels are the criminals or the thieves who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And so when this event started, both of these men were looking at him and insulting him. They were so much alike, but one changed. One made a different choice. One of those criminals hanging beside Christ decided in his mind and in his heart that this is not the direction that I want to go to in my life. No, I want to take different steps. I want to make different choices. And so it's there hanging on a cross next to our Savior that he looks at him and says, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. Please don't forget me. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you are Lord. And right now, I am choosing to make you Lord of my life. I'm choosing to let you take control. And Jesus looks at him and says, today, you are going to be with me in paradise. In other words, whenever you shut your eyes, when you finally give in to death, when you open your eyes, you are going to be with me in paradise because we know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord if he's Lord of your life. One thief made that, that conscious decision before he died to make Jesus Christ Lord of his life. You know, life is full of choices. But there's many things that we have no choice in. There's many things that we don't get a say-so. I mean, you didn't choose your gender. You didn't. You didn't choose your gender. You, you didn't choose your family. God knows I didn't choose my family. You, you didn't choose your race. You didn't choose where you were born. You, you had no say-so in that. You didn't choose your hair color. Well, some of you did. Some of you just changed it yesterday so you could look pretty for Easter. And your lack of choices on certain things can sometimes make you angry. Because it's an injustice. You didn't do anything to deserve that. Whether, whether you were born into a certain social class or, or, or whatever it is, it's just not fair. Certain things that you cannot control, they just don't seem fair. But all complaints, no matter what, you, what hand you have been dealt in life, all complaints were silenced when God planted two trees in the garden for you to choose from. Because when he gave you the gift to choose your eternity, everything else failed in comparison. Adam and all of his descendants were given free will, and you now possess the freedom to choose your eternal destination, and, and God is not going to force this on you. Any injustice in this life is forever silenced by God's gift to us of, of us being allowed to choose our own destiny and where we will spend eternity. Let me tell you something. Be thankful that that's not reversed. Be so thankful that it's not reversed. Be thankful that you don't get to choose everything else in life. Though you have many choices you can make, be thankful that you don't get to choose race, gender, what family you were born into. Be thankful you don't get to choose all that. And then at the end of this thing, he makes the choice of where you're going to spend eternity. Be thankful that that's not the way it is. Because that's not merciful. That's not gracious. That's merciless and graceless. 
And that's not the God that we serve. No, he says you are going to walk through life and there's certain things you can choose and there's other things you cannot choose. But when you get to the end of your life, I love you so much that I am going to allow you to make the choice on where you want to spend eternity. You can choose this cross or you can choose that cross. The choice is yours. And that thief on the cross next to Christ, he made some bad decisions in life. He, he chose wrong morals. He chose the wrong crowd, the wrong behavior, at times the wrong actions. But hanging on a tree next to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he went back to the Garden of Eden and he chose to eat from the tree of life and not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which leads to death he took it right back to the garden and said I trust you Lord I don't need that for my life I am making you Lord of my life and it was that day that he would begin the rest of his life spending eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ our Lord choosing to trust God with his eternity life humanity began with the choice between two trees an everlasting life or eternal separation from God begin with the choice between two trees. And I want to ask you this question. Are the things that you are living for worth Christ dying for? Do they really matter that much? Or are you willing to relinquish some of that? Are you willing to give up lordship of your life and trust him with your eternal destination? Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.